Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Warning. Today's scripture verses from Genesis's creation story may evoke strong feelings of vulnerability and shame. As you listen, see if you notice how the writer carefully frames the story, beginning with a scene that prompts our curiosity and foreshadows tension yet to come. Genesis 2, 25. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Six verses later, in Genesis 3, 6 to 10, the writer crafts a much different scene in distinct contrast to the idyllic one before. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So what's the point? Why paint the scene this way? What are we so ashamed of? Do you feel flawed? Do you feel like there might be something wrong with you? Not in a major, serious way, but maybe more in a minor way. Maybe it's a behavior. Maybe it's the way you look, a part of your body. Maybe it's actions, certain things that you choose to do or not to do. If you have ever felt that way, you have been the victim of shame. So if we're really honest with each other, which is really hard to do. But if we're really honest with each other, we will admit that all of us have felt shame of some type in our bodies and in our being. We have felt this in different degrees and in different ways. But here's the thing I want you to remember. You were not born with the emotion of shame. Hear me again. You were not born with the emotion of shame. Shame is what we call a social emotion. It is something that you have to acquire. It is something that takes place externally of you. And it happens to all of us at different times in our lives. It can be an incident. It could be an experience. 
And that alone can have a radical impact for the rest of your life. And if it is a chronic, if it is a reoccurring theme of shame that is in your being, then over time, the shamer, which was external of you, will become internal. And instead of the shamer being out here, you become the shamer. You're the one who tells yourself that you are not acceptable, that there's something wrong with you, that you aren't normal. And the reason why we do this as a society is very simple. We do this to each other because it is a way that we believe we can control each other. And why do we want to control each other? Because we want everyone to conform. We want everyone to be the same because sameness makes us feel comfortable. Sameness makes us feel like we belong. And so we set up these norms that are out there in society, and people either conform to them, or if they choose not to, we have very subtle ways of making them feel like they don't belong. Either you have witnessed it, or you have experienced it when you have gone to church. There are certain churches that you may walk into and not being the fault of the church or not being your fault, but it doesn't mesh because the norms that they have created do not agree with your norms. But what happens is when we feel this sense of shame, it makes us want to retreat. It makes us want to hide that part of us. For example, uh, yesterday, no, earlier this week, I watched a TV show. I never have watched it before. It's called Dr. Pimple Popper. And I'll be honest, it took an element of shame and embarrassment to share that with you. But what was amazing is individuals have these cysts or non-malignant tumors on their body. And when they interview them, you can hear how embarrassed they are, the sense of shame, because that does not fit in with the norm of society. And especially now with social media, social media tells us right out front, this is acceptable, this is unacceptable. So these individuals with these growths, they will go out of their way to hide it when they go into public because they feel shame. Now again, remember, they weren't born this way. They were taught it. They were taught it by their parents. They were taught it by their peers. They were taught it by religion. 
society, culture. I mean, we're inundated with it. What is alarming is when this shame moves into the area of human sexuality. It is called sexual shaming. And the areas in particular that it focuses upon is people's desires, their impulses, their fantasies, their actions, what they feel to be pleasurable, Even broaching the subject right now, there's an element of embarrassment and shame in the room. But human sexuality and shame were not originally together. I looked at the text in Genesis, and in my research, I found one article in particular that really dived into that verse in Genesis 3 and Genesis 2.25. And the author concluded that more than likely, this text had nothing to do with human sexuality. But Augustine, who was one of the early church fathers, he fixed that. He came in and made it all about sex. And ever since then, the church has bought into this idea that human sexuality is something to be shameful and to keep quiet and to keep private. But when you came out of the womb, who you were in sexuality, there was no shame. But in time, you learned it. Let me give you two examples. Number one, sex education. Look at what is happening just in our state around sex education. There's this sense of certain things that you can teach a child or not teach a child. And if we're honest, what happens in public sex education when it is done? It's usually about the body and reproduction, and then also tacked on is this sense of shame and how to avoid getting an STI or a sexually transmitted infection. Very, very rarely in that education does the teacher talk about sex as being pleasurable. We don't talk about it. Many of us would say, well, that's the way it ought to be. That's up to the parents. Well, that would be great if the parents were talking about it. But a lot of them aren't talking about it. And so young people from adolescence to teenage years and moving into young adulthood, and then us. We have been the recipients of this sexual shame. And the temptation 
is to blame it all on Christianity or religion in general. But if you read the Bible in its entirety, you will be, you'll have to seek very, very hard to find where it, in the Bible it ties human beings and, and sexuality and brings them together in a sense of shame. It's just not there in the Bible. If anything, human sexuality is seen as a gift from God. When we first started this series, we spent the first sermon on Song of Solomon. And if you look at the Song of Solomon, you talking about erotic literature? There is a possibility that in the Song of Solomon, it is the only book in the entire Bible that was written by a woman. And in that book, it describes a woman's desires, her passion for her lover. And if we could read the original language, we would discover that some of that writing is like X-rated. It's very explicit. But in our translations, we've kind of tapped that down. Why? Because of shame. One writer, I believe, accurately captures the essence of what it means to live in the West, and in particular, to live in America. The writer says, in the West, we currently live in a highly sexualized culture. We are surrounded by sexual content, and yet we lack the ability to have deep, meaningful, and open conversations about sex. Talking about sex still makes people uncomfortable and provokes feelings of shame and embarrassment. Do you hear that? We don't even talk about it. Parents don't talk to their children often. Partners don't talk to each other. And we have this feeling of shame in ourselves that because of my desires, because of my fantasies, because what I find to be pleasurable, and it doesn't matter what age you are, pleasure is still pleasure. And we're embarrassed about that. So we won't talk about it. Orla Day, who is a psychologist, says the following, shame, sex, and silence go together. Shame flourishes in silence. Shame, sex, and silence go together because sex is still deemed a taboo subject. And people continue to display judgments towards others with different sexual behaviors to their perceived norm generating sexual shame. 
The ultimate form of sexual shame is when you make laws. that make people's desires illegal. Same-sex marriage, the transgender community. Because it's not the norm, we've made it shameful. And what we find to be shameful, we are uncomfortable with. And when we are feeling discomfort, we want to distance ourselves from it. And we do it at the expense of human beings. Just so we can feel better about ourselves. So how do we go forward with this? Well, I'm going to tell you that, number one, we don't have the time, and number two, I am not a psychologist or a psychiatrist. That's not my wheelhouse. Shame took a long time to become a part of our being. You can't just flip a switch to make it go away. It is something that you have to be intentional about. And, if necessary, to find professional help to help you go through that process of ridding yourself of this shame. But what I will share with you that is within my wheelhouse is two ideas. One of them is found in the Psalms. Psalm 139. You know, there are certain texts that are in the Bible that when you read them, they speak to you, and you don't necessarily have to know the historical circumstances. You don't have to dig into the original language. Because I believe when we read the Bible, we can read it at so many different levels. But I think this verse, when it comes to shame, hits it right on. Listen to this. I will give thanks to you, O God, for I am fearfully and wonderfully, and the word you could take in the original language, extraordinarily made. Wonderful are your works. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you believe that? That means that whatever your sexual desires are, Whatever your fantasies, how it is that you find pleasure, that's part of who you are. I mean, one of the reasons why shame around sexuality entered into the Christian church is because the Greek philosophy that spoke about dualism wanted to separate the body from the soul. 
And the body was seen as being flesh. Paul even talks about the flesh being sinful. It's having these sinful impulses. And the soul is something that is pure. So what we did is we separated them. And with that separation, and we're seeing the body as being less than, than holy, sex went with it. And as long as you and I see that sexual part of ourselves as being external of us, we will continue to experience shame. Folks, you and I, each and every one of us, are sexual beings. And the only way to, to be able to, well, I shouldn't say the only, one of the first ways to overcome shame, and in particular sexual shame, is to accept yourself in your entirety. even if that means going against the norm. Now, please understand that I am not giving a free-for-all pass because there are certain sexual urges and, and pleasures that people have, and if they were to take those and actually act upon them, they would violate the rights of other people. So I am not talking about hurting or violating the rights of others. I'm talking about consenting adults. And it doesn't matter if you believe God created our world or if we are the product of evolution. Whatever the writer said is still true. We are wonderful creatures. And then the second idea, Dr. Tina Shermer, who is a marriage and sex therapy, she captured for me this idea right on. In an article she wrote, it says the following, shame cannot live in the presence of love, and it starts to fade with the absence of judgment. Those two. Love and lack of judgment. No wonder Jesus and the, before Jesus, the Old Testament writers in different places captured the idea of loving oneself. We have to learn how to love and accept ourselves. And then when we do that, we will be less likely to judge ourselves. One of the things I've realized in my life, you know how people have, they kind of have that figure, they have a devil over here and an angel over here. Well, I got a third one, folks, and it's right back here, sits on the top of my head, and it's my critic. It loves to shame me. 
and it takes all the norms of society that I don't live up to, and it just continually hits them with it. And that's how we judge ourselves. And I think one of the reasons why we can be so judgmental of other people is because we first did it to ourselves. I think one of the reasons why at times we find it difficult to, to love people that are different from us is because it rubs a, a, a place in us. And we don't like it. So we want to distance ourselves and push that person away because they remind us of something within ourselves. If we could love and, and not judge ourselves, that would be the first step. Now, please understand what I said. The first step in overcoming shame, and in particular, sexual shame. And that is why churches like ours need to exist. Because when we come together, it is our opportunity to practice love toward one another and to be a safe haven where perhaps we won't judge each other. Often I think of our church as a laboratory, and here we get to practice on each other. We don't always get it right, but if we can practice it and learn it here, it's so much easier to go out and do it in public. Beatitudes has been, it is, and will continue to be a place where we will work diligently to rid shame in our own lives and in the lives of others. And so I thank you. I thank you for being a part of this church and for your support. Because our community needs us, and you are making it possible. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.